Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Good morning. Well, we are so glad that you're with us this morning. If you're a guest, welcome. If you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, well, where is the time going? <laughs> It's hard to believe that this week's already uh, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas is just around the corner. There's so much that we have to be thankful for. Um, I was thinking just this morning, uh, not only looking ahead and, and the baby dedication that we just now witnessed, um, as Mike referred to communion this morning, um, that as we get to, to celebrate and partake together in communion and remember uh, the gift that God gave us, uh, through that, and, and we're reminded that, that before Jesus celebrated that communion, he broke that bread and, and shared that wine. He gave thanks to God, not only for that meal, but for what God was going to do through him, knowing what was coming, knowing what was ahead, uh, that, that although our relationship with God had been severed from the very beginning because of sin, that God had a plan and a way from the very beginning to restore that relationship, and Jesus Christ uh, did that. And we have so much to be thankful for. And as I um, have gotten older, one of the things that uh, came to my mind is, is I'm more thankful uh, for relationships than anything else uh, at this point in my life. First of all, my relationship with God uh, is, is the most important, but also relationships with my family and friends and, and children and those around us. It's not so much the things anymore. So often we, um, you know, we if we're praying for even our meal, we thank God for that meal and his provision or, or the blessings he's given us, our homes and our you know, beds and things like that. But um, all of those things are temporary. But, but the relationship that God has given us uh, through his son, Jesus Christ, is eternal. And that's something that we can be thankful for forever. And this morning, uh, as, as we look ahead to this week of Thanksgiving, we're just going to look at that and just look at how uh, we always have something to be thankful for in God and in his character and in that relationship that he has given to us through his son, Jesus Christ, and that in his unchanging character, in his attributes of who he is, um, regardless of what may be happening around us. I was uh, thinking this morning, uh, you know, we're, we're taught to be grateful, and if somebody does something for us or, or serves us, whether it might be, you know, a waitress at a restaurant brings you your food, you thank them. Um, and we, we try to teach our children to be uh, thankful and give gratitude when somebody serves them. And uh, our family was, was the same. My mom was trying to instill that to my brother and I when we were little. Um, and uh, I remember one story that my mom still shares sometimes is, uh, I think my brother was about four. I would have been too young to even be speaking at the time. But um, he'd asked for some cookies. And she gave him some cookies, and she'd been trying to teach him to say thank you. And so she gave him the cookies and, and asked him, what else? And trying to, you know, remind him or engage him that, remember, you're supposed to say thank you when somebody does something for you. And he just sat there and kind of eating his cookie and not, you know, didn't know what she was talking about. And she asked again, you know, what else? And he said, well, I guess I'll take some milk, too. Um, <laughs> I was like, if you want to keep serving, I'll keep asking, you know. Um, but, and, and, you know, again, that type of gratitude is good and we're supposed to have that 
kind of gratitude for, for those around us. And when somebody serves us, we're, we should have gratitude and be thankful. But, but like I said, for me, that the gratitude for, for the milk and the cookies, the gratitude for the stuff, while I'm grateful that God provides those things as well, that's not what I'm most grateful for. It's what God has done in and through Jesus Christ and what he's doing through Jesus Christ in the world around us um, and the relationships that he's trying to restore around us. That's what I'm most thankful for. Uh, And I was reminded about um, the vision of NCC that we have. It's to glorify God by inviting all people to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ through relationship. And it was that part of the response uh, thanksgiving or giving thanks is an act of response. One way that we can respond to who God is and what he has done in our lives is to give thanks. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Psalm uh, 100, and we're going to get there in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, one of the things that uh, the kids probably know more about this than we do at this point, but just the history of Thanksgiving in our nation uh, and, and that, that we have a great history and tradition of giving thanks to God as a nation. And I was thinking, you know, as, as kids, they probably, this last week, a lot of them, especially probably the elementary age kids, uh, were probably learning more about the history of Thanksgiving. But if you're like me as an adult, it's been a long time since I really have thought uh, or given any thought to uh, the history of Thanksgiving in our nation. Um, and as I was preparing this message, God just brought that to mind, and I was like, well, I'm going to look up some of some of that and remind myself. Uh, many of you probably remember that the the first Thanksgiving goes all the way back to 1621, um, and that was when the, the pilgrims celebrated at Plymouth, Massachusetts. Um, beyond that, there's records of proclamation of thanksgiving to God all the way back to 1639. And they believe there was more um, in that time frame, but that, that's one of the only records at that time. Uh, but then from 1649 onward, all the way to today, there is a recorded proclamation of thanksgiving in our nation's history of giving thanks to God um, every, every single year. And I, I came across one of those proclamations that was made in 1789 by George Washington. And he made a Thanksgiving proclamation in response to a request from both houses of Congress. So uh, the House and the Senate basically requested him to give Thanksgiving to God. And this was the proclamation uh, that, that, he, that he gave. Um, one of the things that I think we see in here is that the thanksgiving toward God and to God is undeniable, not only in our nation's history, but certainly in this proclamation. I'm going to quote just a few lines from this proclamation, and it'll make it very clear. So these are the words that George Washington wrote. He said, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits and humbly to implore his protection and favor. I recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent 
author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation. And also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions. So not only did President Washington call for the nation to give thanks to God, he called for prayer and repentance. He called for the nation to uh, repent for their transgressions individually and as a nation. Uh, President Lincoln would create a National Day of Thanksgiving in 1863, and he made a proclamation that was just as much or even more so, um, just honoring and thanking God for what, for what he was doing in his hand at work in our nation. In 1941, Congress created the national holiday that we now celebrate on the fourth Thursday of each November. And our nation's history of giving thanks to God is rooted in our Christian faith and rooted in the Bible. Throughout the Bible, there are many examples of giving thanks to God, along with calls or encouragement to give Him thanks. Revelation 7.12 makes it very clear that God is worthy of our praise and thanksgiving. It says, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. He is worthy of all of our thanks. We're going to walk through a short but powerful psalm this morning, a psalm of thanksgiving as we prepare for the week dedicated to thanksgiving ahead of us. And it's Psalm 100. It's a psalm of thankful praise, and it's a song. We're going to read the whole uh, psalm together uh, here, and then we'll look at each verse individually. So Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So let's take a closer look at verse 1. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. This verse claims the world for God. It should be thought-provoking for us to sing. There are other words that the Bible uses in reference to specific area or lands, but this word simply means the earth. The whole earth is to make a joyful noise to the Lord. As we read just a moment ago in Revelation 7, it made clear that blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving, honor and power and might belong to God forever and ever. And this passage in Psalm called all the earth to make a joyful noise to God for who he is. This passage is sometimes used as a joke. Um, I've I've said it before that I, I, I don't have a singing voice. Um, that's why I sit in front and the, and the worship team has to hear, <laughs> has to hear, has to hear that joyful noise. And that's what people will say. It's like, well, I can't sing, but I make a joyful noise. But that's not really what this passage is referring to. It would be better related to cheers or fanfare, to 
the joyous cheers during a sporting event when, when you're watching a game and your team scores and everybody goes ecstatic and is just yelling and screaming. That's the kind of joyous noise that this passage is talking about. A couple of other passages that reference this type of joyful noise are Psalm 98.6. It says, With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. And Psalm 95.1 says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Not only is humanity called to respond in praise to the Lord, the earth and heavens praise Him. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. And Psalm 96.11 says, Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let the entire earth, let everyone and everything make a joyful noise to the Lord. Jesus said when he came in uh, on that um, Palm Sunday, when he came in... Uh, triumphantly into Jerusalem, he said if the people weren't singing out his praise and glory, that the rocks would cry out to him in his praise. And that psalm says they literally are. When you hear the wind blowing and the trees rustling or lightning or thunder or rain or rivers or waterfalls or all those things, that passage is saying the entire earth, all the heavens, everything is singing praise and giving thanks and glory to God. And these passages are saying not only are they called to do that, but we are called. The whole earth is called to give God praise and thanksgiving. Verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Have you ever been working and, and whistling? Whistle while you work. <laughs> the old Cinderella thing. There's something about service. There's something about doing work with a joyful heart that gives us purpose and, and, and allows us and even joy. We can be joyful in our work, and that's what this passage is saying, that we can serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. This command to serve the Lord is paralleled by coming into his presence, which is a reminder that an act of worship is also a service. It's the first response that we owe to God, but it's certainly not the last. How far this act of service and worship goes can be seen in Romans 12.1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Some passages say, which is your spiritual act of worship. We're to present our bodies, to present ourselves, everything we have, as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice of worship to God. We're called to serve him with gladness, to come into his presence with singing and joy. Coming into the presence of God is a good thing. We should recognize that and be joyful about that and excited about that when we're coming into his presence. Verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. To know that is to have a solid foundation underneath us. You could say it's a prerequisite of praise. This knowledge is our gift from God. 
In the brief space of this one verse, we're first reminded who God is. He is the Lord. He is our Lord. He is the Lord of all things. And then reminded of where we come from and who we belong to. And last, we're reminded that we are His, the sheep of His pasture, which means He's our shepherd and that He will always be with us. Verse 4 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. The simplicity of this invitation may conceal the wonder of it. First of all, we see that we enter into God's presence with thanksgiving. It's almost as if our gratitude, our thanksgiving and praise are a key that unlocks the gates to His courts. And allows us to enter into his presence. Not only are we able to boldly enter into God's presence through Christ Jesus. In and through him we have become the temple of God. We learned a few weeks ago about the temple. And how over and over it says that not only Jesus. Not only the Holy Spirit. But the Father now dwell in us. That's the power of the cross. That's what Jesus' resurrection accomplished. So he is within us. That in itself is enough reason for us to praise and give Him thanks in any and all circumstances. And the final verse has more to add. Verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. God is absolutely and completely good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. We can count on Him. We can put our faith in Him. And we can know that He has always been, always is, and always will be faithful. This psalm began by broadening our horizon and it ends by lengthening our view and expectation of God. We're going to take a look at just a few other verses before we close that give us more than enough reason to give God thanks in any circumstance. Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Once again, that most reason to be thankful for is that we can dwell in the presence of God. Our relationship has been restored. We can be with Him And 2 Thessalonians 2.13 encourages us to thank God always. It's not something to do just once a year. It says, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. We can be thankful because God chose us, because He saved us, and because He sanctifies us. And Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 shows us that we need to be thankful that we can know God and be in a relationship with Him. Verse 23 says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. 
We can always be thankful for God's faithfulness and never-changing attributes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We aren't called to boast, and that word in this context just it makes me think about giving thanks as well. We can't boast in it, but we also shouldn't give thanks for our own wisdom or our own might or our own riches. If we're going to boast or if we're going to give thanks for anything, then let's give thanks that we know God and his wonderful attributes. Let's give thanks that he practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness in all the earth. We'll close with Acts 17:28. This verse says, For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. We constantly have to remind ourselves that we can do nothing apart from God. Our life, our movement, and all of our being is created and sustained by him. One way that we can respond to God is by being thankful. Thankful for who he is. Thankful for every moment that he blesses us with. And acknowledging that literally every breath we breathe is a gift from him. If he weren't to give us the next breath, we would all perish right now. Literally every moment you have is a gift from God. And none of us knows when that final moment will be. But at the moment he stops giving that gift, that's the moment our life on this earth ceases. Everything in us is dependent on him. In him we live and move and have our being. And apart from him, we do not live. It's so easy for us to be self-centered and forget to acknowledge his blessing. To take all of these blessings for granted. And as much as we would like to think that we can be self-made men and women, you know, I read something this last week that this guy said he's, that in America we think if we can just dig around and find our bootstraps and then just pull on them and pull on them and pull on them, eventually we're going to pull ourselves up. We can do it on our own. If we work hard enough and try hard enough, we can do it on our own. But the truth is none of us are self-made. We're God-made. God made us in His image. And He created us from the very beginning to be dependent on Him. As much as that kills us. And that's why we sinned in the first place. Because we wanted to be independent. We wanted to do it on our own. We said, I can be like God. I can have knowledge like Him. I can set my own course. I can do this. I can do that. But that's not the way we were created. We were created to be wholly dependent on Him. And it's, it's the best way we can live. It's the only way we can live. We are totally dependent on Him and He is worthy of all of our praise, all of our thanks, all glory, all honor, all power. Everything is due to Him and Him alone. And it's my prayer that we'll all be encouraged this morning to take time to give God thanks for who He is and spend some time in prayer this week as we lead up to and celebrate Thanksgiving this year. Let's strive to make giving God thanks and praise and glory and honor a part of every day of our life, not something we just do once a year. Will you bow with me as we close in prayer?
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the living word, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you sent him to live as an example and to die on the cross and be resurrected on the third day that our relationship with you could be restored. Father, we thank you most of all that then when we accept that gift that you come to dwell with us, to live with us. And you've promised us that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Father, I'm most thankful for you and for my relationship with you. And next, I'm thankful for those around me. And your word said uh, that we're to love you first. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. And then we're to love those around us. Father, I'm so thankful for this body and the body of Christ. Lord, for the relationships in our family, for our children, for all the blessings that you've bestowed upon us, we give you thanks this morning. And we acknowledge that everything is a gift from you. And it's only in you that we can live and move and have our being. Father, I pray that that will be something that always stays at the forefront of our mind at every moment of every day that we know that we're totally dependent and sustaining on you. Father, I pray that you'll let your light, your glory that's within us shine through to every person that we encounter, wherever we encounter uh, other people, Lord, that we might be able to draw them into a relationship with you and that your Holy Spirit will speak to them as we speak to them, Lord. Father, we give you all glory and honor and praise this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 